0: Hello and welcome back to the Canadian Bowler Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lucas Caldwell, and I'm with my co-host, Daryl Fitzgerald. Daryl, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. How are you doing, Luke? Oh, not so bad. Not so bad. Hanging in there, being kind of bored. You know, same <laughs> old, same old.
1: I mean, that's kind of where we are right now, but uh, hopefully things get better. Have you, uh, have you been doing any bowling?
0: Uh, no, haven't rolled a bowl this year, not going to lie. It's been. I, um, I was talking to the guys before the show, and I was saying I've been so invested in the sport since I was eight years old that it's almost been a good break for me. So that's probably part of the reason why I haven't. But yeah, soon enough, hopefully. I, and I, I'm also not like a massive fan of practicing. So I like kind of just playing games and tournaments and stuff. So just going out there to practice for nothing is kind of hard for to self motivate myself. I guess
1: hey, that's fair. I mean, I've tried to go out and and bowl a little bit. It was fun, um, but there was no real focus on what should I be doing like it would be any other year.
0: Right on, yeah. Uh, Before we get started here, guys, I wanted to uh, say two things today. Uh, first off is uh, just thank Daryl for letting everybody know that he's a big deal today. I uh, thought everybody should should know that and uh, <laughs> obviously some regular housekeeping. Uh, thanks again to everybody who tunes in every other week and tunes into the after dark once a month when that happens. Always remember to follow that way. Follow, (laughs) like, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you can see when we go live every time on YouTube. Follow the Facebook page so you can get all the notifications from there. And most of our stuff is posted to Facebook with updates. Daryl does a great job running that page. So thanks to Daryl. I guess, moving into the show, we have, uh, in my opinion, a special guest today, somebody that I've been pretty close friends with ever since they stepped into the sport. He told me not to gas him up too much, but he's a Canadian, a world indoor triples champion, a Canadian national junior champion, an Ontario junior champion, and he spent some time bowling in Australia. And uh, that today is Eric Galipo. Hi, guys. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Nice to see you, Eric. How's uh, how's the whole uh, summer been for you? Uh, yeah, it's definitely been uh, been interesting.
2: Uh, coming home from Australia, really excited to get into the uh, the season here. But obviously, we know how that went. Um, so just been uh, been working a lot
0: and uh, trying to get as many bowls down as possible. Perfect. Well, before we get too far into this, i like to ask everybody the same question, just for people out there who might not know who you are. uh, Who is Eric Galapo and who are you today? Yeah, so um, I'm a 19-year-old
2: kid. I live in uh, Toronto, Ontario. Um, I've been bowling for about uh, six years. Um, I am on the development team for the national team. Uh, And yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Perfect. And I mean, for, for six years, um, you've done quite a few things in just uh, in just a few <laughs> short years. Yeah,
0: it is wild. So I remember the first time I ever met Eric was at the, the National Juniors in um, Etobicoke, and he was just this little kid. And I remember, um, I think it uh, someone said like, well, Eric, it's how your club, you might as well play. And, yeah. uh, he, he was okay for a, a guy who just started that year or even a couple weeks before he wasn't a bad player at all. And then it was just crazy. The next year he shows up and he'd been working on the greens a lot with coaches and whatnot. And he was a completely different athlete. And it's just crazy how quickly the progression has gone for him. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been super, super lucky. I've got to work with some,
2: some incredible coaches, uh, Daryl being one of them. Um, so yeah, I've obviously just got a very huge advantage of uh, meeting some really, really uh, important and very, very well-knowledged uh, bowlers super early in my uh, my bowl's career and um, just tried to take in every single thing I could and uh, now I'm here. <laughs> you did speak a little bit about the time you spent in Australia. Uh, talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I um, I moved down to Australia uh, about 10 months ago um, a, a town about 25 minutes north of Perth called Clarkson. Um, and I met um, this guy, these two guys, Kyle McElroy and Dave Rankin in um, England at Potter's last year, um, playing with my dad. And um, Kyle was generous enough to offer me a spot playing uh, for their the Doubleview Pennant team, just the club I played for down there. Um, so, yeah, we, well, uh, no, there's Kyle in the chat right there. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, so I uh, I lived with him and uh we uh we played a season of pennant together uh with the other 16 guys on the team and it was an incredible experience. Um I would do it again in a second for sure.
0: Uh what were the biggest differences you noticed? Uh, let's just step away from the sport of Bulls for just one second. What were some of the biggest uh lifestyle differences you noticed living in like Australia as opposed to living in Toronto?
2: Um well, I um I found that like I was, I was bowling every day. Like I was to the green every day. Um, So I, I worked in the bar at the club. Um, I find that the biggest difference, um, I know you said stay away from bowls, but it would be in bowls. It's just how much of a, of a like location the bowls club is like you get people who have never heard of bowls in the world, just showing up and having a drink or two and just having a good time at the bowls club, um, which is definitely something you don't get here
1: um speaking along those lines as well uh what was the biggest shock to you as far as uh the club that you worked at versus some of the bigger clubs here in canada
2: um so the, the club i worked at was a fairly big club it had a restaurant that was open two or three days a week um and then the bar which was open um pretty much as long as there was people in the club um so it was pretty big we're getting like 30, 40, 50 people there in a night um, just hanging out, not even playing. Um, whereas here, you obviously, you don't get that. If you're at the club, you're there to bowl, right? Very true.
0: What was, uh, what was your favorite club that you visited while you were in Australia? Oh, that's tough.
2: Um, <laughs> it would either have to be uh, the club I played for, View. It was a really, really awesome location. Or um, I went down to the Dudley Park Bowls Club when I played in um, the Everest, um, which was
1: also a really cool cool experience just because of everything that's happened at that club before.
0: Right
1: on. So you mentioned the Everest. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. I, I know what it is, but um, yeah. let let everybody else know what the Everest is.
2: Um, so I actually believe it's the highest paying event in the world right now. Uh, it's 100k first prize. Um, I was lucky enough to get sponsored to go into it. Um, so somebody paid my entry fee, which was a thousand dollars. Um, and, uh, I got to play in, uh, my round, my, my pool. I didn't get out of that, but in my pool was, uh, Aaron Wilson and, um, two other guys from one other guy from W a, uh, Daniel Brown. And then a guy who, uh, who funds a lot of, uh, the really good bowlers to come down, uh, Damian McGee. Um, so it was really, really cool experience, uh, playing all of them. I got absolutely slogged. Uttered by uh, Aaron. Uh, that was my first singles game in Australia oh, with, wow. against Aaron Wilson. And I ended up going up like five, three, and I was on top of the world. And uh, <laughs> it all just went downhill so fast. <laughs>
0: you, me- you mentioned Aaron Wilson there. I've had also had the opportunity to play against Aaron. And I've said on the show before, I think he's probably the best player I've ever played against. Um, would you say Aaron Wilson was up there for one of the best players you've ever played against as well? Or do you think there's somebody oh. that played that was on a higher level? Um,
2: I also got to play Bester while I was down there uh, in the Pro-Am before uh, the Everest, um, which was really cool. He's he's one of my heroes. Um, so I would probably say uh, Bester is the best bowler I've ever played. Um, but I actually beat me and Kyle beat Bester in the Pro-Am, well uh, which was awesome. <laughs> um, so I'd, I, I would say Bester is the best, best player I've ever played against.
1: Nice. Um, I want to... Cycle back to uh, your coaching comments. So you've you've been coached by a, a lot of different people. You've uh, had the advantage of of meeting some really really uh, experienced, well known, and uh, uh, I guess great coaching uh, mm-hmm. players. Uh, I wanted to um, to ask you about one of them in particular and someone that you've worked with a lot here, uh, John Bazier. What what does John Bazier meant to you as far as your bowling career?
2: Um, John has has been the biggest influence on my bowls career by miles. Um, he's, he's also really been for me there on a personal level, not just as a Bowls coach. Um, I'm not sure you guys were at my, uh, my going away party there. Yeah. Uh, obviously he means a great deal to me and uh, I mean a great deal to him. His, uh, his knowledge of the game is incredible. Um, I don't think I've ever met somebody who knows the game as well and knows how to teach the game as well it's, John.
1: I'd have to agree. Uh, John Bezier yeah. is one of our, our senior national players. Um, he teamed up with Bester, Ryan Bester in the multinations just recently to win the gold in the pairs. And John hadn't really bowled consistently, probably what the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started getting
2: coaching from him probably three or four years ago. And uh, that was like him coming out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Go ahead, Daryl.
1: Oh, um, I, w- I was also going to ask you uh, about growing up in bowls, and when you when did you first get the itch to start bowls, and what has kept you going uh, in it since?
2: Um, yeah, so I think when I started bowls, it was just solely to play in the nationals, like uh, like Luke said. There, uh, it was at my home club. That's actually why I started playing. Um, I like read an article about the nationals at Etobicoke there, so decided to join and play in it. Um, why not? Um, after that year, I found uh, I obviously got introduced to a lot of the really young bowlers in bowls already, which was a super big advantage, guys like Luke. Um, and the next year is when I got really involved in the junior circuit for, for tournaments. So the events in Colberg and Oshawa, Peterborough, Lindsay. Um, and I think that's honestly what kept me in the game. I, I got to really bond with people my own age um, and I'll have lifelong friends like like luke um for because of the sport um and i, I think that's really what what kept me in at, at the start yeah. uh when i was young um now i love the game so much so
1: it's i'll yeah yeah i just quick wanted question.
0: to
2: i just oh, wanted you, to touch on
1: ahead. that quick uh so what what caught uh sorry i was gonna say kyle kell is the one that's commenting but what eric said uh is really important for anybody listening uh, and any clubs that are listening to this podcast. Um, time and time again, everybody says it's so hard to get juniors and so hard to keep juniors yeah. and to get young people. When you get groups and when you get people that are the same age, the same generation, bonding with each other, talking with each other. Um, that's the big bonus to keeping people around. If it's yeah. just one or two, they may not stay.
0: Yeah, you really? got to get the the friendships going. It really is the truth, though, because like I remember I went through a phase uh, just around the end of high school where I was like, eh, maybe I'll play a couple more years, maybe not. And I whenever I won the under 25s in Vancouver, I literally said to everyone when I got there, I was like, this is my last year. I've never played again. Yeah. I was like, I'll just coach. And then I won. And I was like, God, I don't think I can quit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Kyle um, actually just commented something funny there. It says, ask why we call him Pineapple um after my first day in australia i wasn't called eric I, like that was the first and last day i was called eric it was just piney <laughs> after that
1: yeah
2: um because it's it's uh it's the only thing i know how to say in french so uh they expected me to come down knowing french and i said yeah the only thing i know how to say is just na, which means i'm a pineapple yeah um, and ever since then it's been piney and I actually have it, I don't know if you can see, tattoo on my arm there. Oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Eric, let's have a little bit of fun now. Um, if you could build a Canadian dream team to play oh. alongside you, so you and three other people, who would be on your team? And where would they play?
2: Oh, man, what are you doing to me here? Um, <laughs> I would probably say Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I'd want to play two. Two's my favorite position in fours. Nice. Um, I would probably put my dad as lead. Um, we've I've grown through the game playing with my dad. Um, I love playing with my dad. It's something we do weekly. Um, then I'd probably have John at three, just because of his knowledge of the game. He'd be he'd be incredible to uh, to be calling heads. Yeah. And then uh, what's the restriction on? on skips here like can i can i pick bester
1: you can pick bester he's still canadian
2: yeah, that's yeah true. i'll take uh i'll take bester as my skip just because uh he's bester
0: <laughs> it is it, it is really a shame uh daryl he fell right into the uh the old uh saying you had to uh, had your worst player at second. so <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true uh yeah everybody listening out there you know second is important man and it's yeah, a good, no, it's a I good think- spot I think
2: second is one of the
0: most valuable spots on a, on a force team for sure. Yeah. We touched on this Eric on the last one or one of our last podcasts. And uh, I said, I think every player is just as important oh, as the next sure. guy. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to play second. Like my personal favorite spots third, just because I'm a big fan of trying to turn heads over and convert yeah. heads and being a little bit more aggressive. So that's just me, but different for everybody, I suppose.
1: Very true. Um, so, I want to give a shout out to Kyle. He just subscribed to the channel. Thanks Kyle hey. for the subscription. It means a lot. Uh, and I also want to um, ask you a question about what Perth Penance has said, and I'm not sure who, who Perth Penance is, but it says, uh, you sleep a lot, Eric. And then yeah. he also says, uh, I can't believe you're awake Rob to be so proud. So what is that all about?
2: Um, so the guy Perth Pennant is, uh, Dave Rankin. He's the other guy that was at, uh, at Potters with Kyle. Okay. Um, so he played for a different club in Australia called uh, the Cardinia Cats, um, which is all good. It's an artificial club, really pretty. Um, he said, I sleep a lot. Um, I, I'm i not sure if he's just because the time change right now. He's probably up at a weird time. So I'm not <laughs> sure if that's, uh, that's what it is. He's just not getting the time change. Maybe. So I'm not actually sure. But I do spend a lot of time sleeping, so...
0: Wrong <laughs> with sleeping. You gotta get, yeah. to get your eight to twelve every oh, night. Gotta get it. Gotta get it.
1: And I think Cam is wondering uh, what happened to your hair. I don't think yes. he knows the secret behind your hair.
2: I, I got a got a man bun now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of I find my hair is a lot easier to just put up than worry about. So uh, yeah, I just throw it up every day now. Sorry, Sorry if Cam. You, when like, do you think you're gonna get it cut? Oh, I don't know if uh, if it was up to my mom right now <laughs> right. but uh I think I'm gonna leave it for a little bit
1: fair enough so uh well, per Penance is back <laughs> at it, so you're playing second because you can't throw a jack,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I actually led in led in australia for uh for most of my time down there, mm-hmm. and uh yeah, my jack throwing on the eighteen second green is
1: is um not. Oh, good it's it's a skill to be learned right it's it's really it is, important yeah. too. 18
2: second greens and you're throwing a jack you don't have to throw that thing hard <laughs> no you don't uh, it's,
0: it's a bit easier in canada where you can just lob it down there it's <laughs> gonna stop wherever it hits the grass so yeah uh,
1: i want i wanted to ask you uh, a little bit about um your family connection so uh your dad's heavily involved in in what you do uh he's been uh, involved in um Uh, Port Credit as well, which is uh, your club here. Um, Unfortunately, this year kind of fizzled out and we haven't been able to do competitive bowls. But I know he was the driving force behind, um, uh, is it the Phoenix Championship? Yeah, Phoenix Championship of Bowls. Um, So that's actually my dad and my
2: mom. My mom's doing a ton of work for it as well. Um, They're both uh, really, really putting in uh, some hard work for that. It was really disappointing when we had to cancel that. Uh, this year um we are going to be running it next year um the phoenix is going to be uh, kind of a, a flip on the uh the scoring system in bowls um if anyone here is familiar with uh, ubc in the chat um that's the the scoring format that they're gonna they're gonna run and it's gonna be lots of games lots of turnover quick games uh and it
1: should be really really exciting bowls now is this uh uh, teams that are going to be made up and run right through the season, or how how does the format actually work?
2: No, nah, so it's going to be it's just going to be one. It's there's going to be multiple events. There's going to be uh, I believe three. Uh, the first two are just going to be trials, kind of. If you win them, you get your entry into the main one funded, um, which would be cool. Um, and then the last one, which is going to be near the end of the year, there's going to be a lot more teams. Uh, really quick turnover on games. <laughs> Um, it's going to be like playing eight games a day or something like that. Oh, well, wow. um, yeah, it's going to be quick, fast, and, uh, it's
0: going to be a lot of fun, hopefully. And how many people per team is that? Two. Two. Yeah. Are we still playing next year? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to throw a couple more bowls though. <laughs> I, I got plenty of time to practice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey Luke, come on, stop using the show to pick up teammates. All right.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Had <to> repl- <laughs> I had to replace Daryl. <laughs>
1: so uh, with uh, with the phoenix bulls uh championship that's going on um i know we wanted to get your dad on the show um when everything kind of fell apart we figured we'd wait until uh something came up uh i'm glad you you you're able to plug it and i'm glad that you're on here Mm -hmm. what has your dad meant to you as far as your bulls career
2: oh um a ton obviously he has he has always been there for me He's It took like three years for him to miss a game. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he's he's always been there. He's been there to celebrate with me. He's been there to cry with me. He's uh, he's uh, he's been a huge part. And there's no chance, no chance I would be anywhere near where I am right now without without my dad. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, for sure.
2: I know you talked uh, the other day uh, about family in Bulls you had a post on Instagram about it. Yeah. And that definitely, I think a lot of younger bowlers can relate to how much their dad or grandfather, or whatever it was meant to them in bowls.
0: Yeah. And we, we've talked about it on the show previously. And like, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm sure you can relate, Erica. It's just awesome how it's one of those sports, how I can go out there and play with my dad until the day he stops rolling bowls. Like I never got to play hockey or baseball or soccer or anything along those lines with my dad or my uncles or anybody like that. Bowls is almost a special sport because you can play with your dad up until he can't play anymore Mm -hmm. or you can't play anymore or something Mm -hmm. happens. So I've always really liked that aspect about bowls and it always brings me back. It always brings me back just so it's something I know I get to see my dad every year and get to go out there and hang out with him.
2: Yeah, it's actually one of my one of my best memories in bowls. Period is when me and my dad actually played Luke and his dad in the in the PPA qualifiers there in pairs. The um, that was a good the game. The semifinals. It was a really really good game, um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, a really awesome v- a game. Fortunately, me and my dad came out on top. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a definitely a good game.
1: There's the bad green. <laughs> so, Eric, what's been your uh, probably best achievement, or not necessarily achievement, but just your best moment in Bowls? And on the flip side, what's what's been one Works. of the tougher moments?
2: Um, so, tougher is probably easier for me. Um, it would either be losing the uh, U25 semi, semifinals last year uh it won to fuca i was up uh 18 11 i think in the semifinals and uh ended up losing that one i think you were actually streaming that game daryl
1: yeah i think oh, so no yeah no? yeah
2: you were i think it was you and uh terry it, it might but, have been yeah yeah. <laughs> so that was that was atrocious. That was my worst <laughs> by far. Um, my best would either be winning the uh U twenty five mixed triples worlds in Glasgow, or um me and Kyle actually played an event in Australia called the W Master Pairs. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a massive event down there. Um ended up coming equal thirds. Um and like the payout on it was like five hundred bucks or something each for equal third. <laughs> Which is nothing like
0: we get here. Wow. Wow. I don't know if I've ever won five hundred dollars in a tournament here. Yeah, I think it was four fifty each for equal third, which is nuts. Oh that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about we move over to a little bit of fun here? Um I'm gonna bring up a series of pictures and yeah. uh, I just want to get your take on what it is, either where it is, what it meant to you, uh, the people in it, whatever it is. Uh just some commentary on it. So we've got a picture up of uh it's the Canadian Youth Championships. It's a yep. whole bunch of youth uh bowlers. This was a great <laughs> event in Nova Scotia. What is yep. what did this mean to you?
2: Yeah, so this is in uh, Halifax, uh the Dartmouth Dart Dartmouth, Dartmouth Lawn yeah. Bowling Club. Yep. That's right. Um and uh So this was an event where I was really, really happy with how I played in the round robin. I ended up uh, having to play a tiebreaker to get into the playoffs against Carter Watson. Um, And that would probably be my first really big game I ever kind of played. I ended up losing, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, it was a really good event. Really awesome to see all these people, obviously. Um, uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it for Halifax. I
1: think this was from the same event but what is the same event this? yeah
2: so that's uh emily that was my foster lang partner we ended up getting silver which was uh really really fun really enjoyed it
1: and uh how long had uh, she been playing oh i think this was her like third or fourth month <laughs> <laughs> i think you're you think you're bang on there that that was incredible yeah.
2: Yeah, she uh, she definitely played some really really good shots and kept her compo- composure well. We ended up losing in the finals to uh, Jordan and Mason, I think. All
1: right. Oop, we'll go this way.
2: Oh, so well. There's obviously a guy you know in the in the middle there. Yeah, he's pretty good looking um, too. Man.
0: Yeah. So that was uh well. One of talking the, about Mike, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah.
2: Um, that was uh what was the first tournament at heritage last year uh,
1: i think it was like 2017 yeah
2: that's yeah, 17 yeah so uh that was what jürgen just couldn't make it and i filled in for him at the event uh, i think we ended up winning that too didn't we we did yeah we did yeah yeah so that was a lot of fun you guys are obviously a hoot to play with um <laughs> and uh, really good bowlers so uh yeah i'll uh, play with you three any day <laughs> and what about this Oh, was that Nationals? Yeah, so that's the uh, Nationals I won in Winnipeg there. Um, That was a really uh, crazy event for me. I played a really, really good round robin. um, Played out of my pants the whole event. And then uh, (laughs) had a really, really rough rough semis. My dad was in the hospital. Um, It was just a disaster. And uh, actually, the guy on the left there, Jake, almost beat me in the semis. And then uh, ended up winning the finals pretty good. So that was a a really, really big win for me. Uh, Really important to me. And uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely an experience. And this is more recent. This is, I believe, playing... That's at the Everest. Um, I think that's going to be either Ryan Bester or Kevin Anderson behind me. Okay. Um, or Damien McGee, one of the three. Um, so, yeah, those are the bowls I used in Australia. Optimas really enjoyed them. And, uh, yeah, that wasn't too long ago. So that would have been at the Everest. And finally, this one. Yeah. So that was after after me and Kyle's Pro-Am end game. Pro-am game. Um, so Kyle's the one on the front left. Uh, We ended up playing Bester and uh, Sandy. That's the girl Uh, that was right after the game we played against them. Okay. and uh, Ended up winning. So how the pro am at the Everest works is you buy like tickets and your name kind of like goes into a hat and then they pick out like 14 tickets and that's the person who plays with like Bester or Aaron Wilson and or all those big, big guys, right? Right. um so me and kyle were just we just entered we didn't do that but sandy won bester in that and we ended up playing them which was awesome All right. and we ended up winning
0: nice perfect so eric what's what's next for you in the sport balls um so
2: um i was i was hoping to get away again this winter um just so i could kind of train a lot more i know i actually talked to you about it i was thinking about going down to arizona for a while um but it doesn't look like that's going to be happening um because just with covid and all that so this this winter will just be working training as much as i can um and getting ready for for next season where hopefully i can come out and have a strong year
1: one, la- one last question for me, anyway. Um, we can see it in your background. I know it's on your arm. I know it's on your bulls as well. Uh, yeah. What is that symbol, and why is it everywhere?
2: <laughs> so that is a, uh Aztec fish. A lot of people say it looks like a turtle or a bird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's actually an Aztec fish. Um, it is tattooed on my arm right there. Um, on my hand, on my right arm. Um, so my sister, my middle sister, Kira actually designed my first set of bowls. Um, so they're the tri-colored arrow maxims that turn like 34 feet. Um, and she just really, really liked that logo and it looked really good with the colors and all that stuff. So, uh, I just stuck with it. And then Every set of bowls I have has that logo on them, and it's on my arm, it's on my wall in my uh, bedroom. So, yeah, it's just it—it it signifies bowls for me, and bowls is obviously a massive part of my
0: life. Right. Um, so that's mainly why it's there. Awesome. Nice. So Eric, before I let you go, there's just something I like to do every show, and I'm just gonna kind of speed run through a couple of questions here and just kind of give me the first thing that comes to your mind for each question. Okay. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's just, I'll we'll start it off with a, with a, with a softball here. Do you like Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Okay. Um, if you had to pick one male and or female, whatever you want, who is your celebrity crush?
2: Oh, Kate, like Emma Watson, but at the end of Harry Potter. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> Big um, Harry Potter guy. Uh, what's your favorite fast food? Taco Bell. Do or Ooh.
0: coffee? Uh, coffee, no, no question. Oh, let's see if I can pick another good one here, quick. Uh, TV shows or movies? Uh, TV shows and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Good nice. show. Yeah. Um. Do I got any more, Daryl? What's an, what's another banger we give them to
1: get off here? I just want uh, to. Like, Go ahead, Daryl. I, I just wanted to know about the Taco Bell. Did you talk to Ryan Vester? Because that's one of his favorites, too.
2: We did. Yeah, <laughs> we did chat about it. He said it's not as good in Australia as it is back here, yeah. which
0: is very believable because you can't really touch Taco Bell back here. All right. Last one here, Eric. Uh, straight bowls or wide bowls? Uh See, I use arrow grooves. Um, I love
2: them. Uh, They, the arrow bias turns a bit earlier than most bowls do. Um, It's kind of like a halfway turn point than, um, than a kind of like a hockey stick. People say it's more like a banana than a hockey stick. Um, So my
0: favorite bowl is the arrow groove. Um, If whatever you classify that as, then there you go. And we got one, I guess we got one more from you from the chat. Kyle wants to know do you put a pineapple on pizza or no? He
2: knows the answer to that. Pineapple on pizza is the
0: worst thing ever <laughs> created. Fair enough. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. Right. All righty, Eric. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. We really yeah, do appreciate, appreciate it. How- uh, is there anything you want to shout out before we let you go? Uh, no, I just want to, uh, thank you too. Obviously
2: this, uh, this podcast has done some incredible things, bring some awareness to the game, uh, where it wasn't before. Um, so I really, really do appreciate it and, uh, can't wait to see everybody out on the green.
0: Perfect. Thanks a lot, Eric. Stay in touch. All right, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Thanks guys. Take care. Thanks, Eric. See you pal. Bye.
1: Wow. Great interview, man. Hey,
0: yeah, that was great. It was really nice talking to Eric. Like I said before, he's been a good friend of mine ever since he came into the sport. Um, in the On the bowl screen and just on a personal level, he's always been someone who, if he's got something going on and he needs a friend or vice versa, we always talk to each other. So it was nice to have him on the show and have a good conversation with him.
1: Yeah, um, I guess next time that he's on, um, I would love to to get a little more insight onto how he thinks uh, going to Australia benefited him and, and if it's worthwhile for others to think about maybe taking a little time and going over there and living for a bit
0: yeah it's definitely a good question that we probably should ask them because like even myself i've thought about it over the years and it was just never monetarily possible or reasonable with the life i had going on but it's always been something that people talk about um and i think it would be awesome like again we've spent time over there we know what it's like and it would just be cool just to live that lifestyle for a little while
1: no absolutely absolutely
0: what do you think do you think it's beneficial for people to go over
1: i do actually if you if you have the means, which is always the tough part, so you have the time and the means to to actually go over, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, Ryan Ryan Bester will tell you um, if you ask him, and a lot of people do ask him. You know, you went over to Australia. You're such a good player. Uh, what was it like coming over? And he'll say it took two to three years for him to actually get good over there. You know, he hopped over there and he had won the world pairs. But when he started rolling on them, it wasn't that good. And it took a while to learn and to adapt and understand the game at a different, in a different style at a different speed. And it's always good to just open that horizon or open the eyes uh, to that new experience for, for new bowlers. Yeah. um, I just want
0: to take this moment to open up, up the floor to the chat here, guys. Uh, Bowls has been stale. Sports have been stale. What do you guys in the chat want to talk about? Uh, do you have any questions for us? Uh, talking points that we can kind of bring up? Something that would make you guys more interested in the show? It's just tough. Uh, like the whole a point of this Canadian Bowler show was to celebrate champions and get insight on what's going on and talk about tournaments. And it's been really hard. So uh, if there's anything you guys want to hear, uh, just make sure you plop it in the chat there and we'll do our best to go over it.
1: Yeah, Ralph Ellis in the chat says if Bowls Canada had the money, Uh, which is always the issue a full-time placement of players uh, for development in Australia and New Zealand would do wonders. And I can't agree more if we had the money to say, Hey, we're going to take you five and we'll put you down in Australia for six months, play a pennant season, you know, play, play in some big tournaments, go and train on those greens and then come back. They would be different bowlers. Do you
0: think, um, here's a question. I guess it would probably still be the answer is probably yes. Suppose all of the big championships were in Canada, the United States, and like more things in the Northern Hemisphere as opposed to the South. Do you think going down and spending time in Australia would be as helpful, or do you think it would be more detrimental than helpful playing on such a different surface?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would still say yes, it would be beneficial, and uh, simply from the fact that you can bowl pretty much year-round if you really wanted to. Um, Up here, unless you have an indoor where you can play on the synthetic you're out of luck unless you have something in your house or you you kind of make something and and kind of piece it together uh, to practice it's it it would be beneficial and you're playing against some top-notch people you're playing against other world um, top world players because the money's down there right so you follow the money you follow where you can actually go and play bowls pretty much professionally for most uh for most of the top bowlers anyway
0: Great. Right. Well, what do you think, Daryl? Suppose you're in a different position. You're Steve Glaston today. You're the coach <laughs> at the Australian National Team. And the World Championships are being held in Canada. You have players who are so used to playing on 16, 17, 18, so on, second greens. What do you think you would do to have your players be ready for playing on a slower green?
1: I think... Uh... Ralph made a good point, and that's probably where I'd go, is I would find another country, even if it is Canada, to send my players for a short amount of time, and if I had the money and the means to do so, let them play in the UK for a while. The UK has, you know, um, I'll say very wet weather, you know, fog, overcast, uh, rains quite a bit, and the greens are comparable to Canada. If I could get them to Canada, I I would go and play on some of the surfaces there and and get an idea of what it's like which is very different and i don't know if they um they, they may have some places in australia but you you try to find what what works best for us in canada we we often will take a trip out to pibc the indoor where we know we can at least get to the 15 second mark on an average and that's where we'll train and and give people a little bit of time on faster surfaces before we actually go over so it's it's either send people to to where they can get better, or really find that place in your country that um, that can at least um, synthesize that experience.
0: I was gonna say I know it's a little bit different for us going there because it's pretty hard to speed greens up that much. Do you think it would be possible to dump so much water on the green that they could mimic a green in Canada with the speed, anyways? Uh, I, I think. Or they... do you think it would completely change the green and just wouldn't work?
1: That's that's probably the the beware uh, kind of thing is would it would it actually make things worse for for what you're doing but i believe that some of the countries i don't know if it was australia or something that had faster greens tried that and just you know soaked the surface you know didn't take care of it as much as they would for for speeding it up but um uh kyle's just saying that there's plenty of places in australia you could certainly modify the greens for that condition so If you can do that, um, you want to do that because you just want to give that experience of, okay, it's not quite 15. What is 12? What is 11? You know, In your mind, you can say, okay, it's slower, but are you thinking way too slow? Are you not thinking slow enough? You just got to get that experience.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Ralph says Ontario always used to have four greens consistently running and being played at 15 seconds. Now money isn't the issue. That's fair. I mean, even still, I don't know specific numbers and maybe not quite 15 seconds, but there's some decent greens out there speed-wise. But I always found with a lot of clubs in the country or I'm just going to use an example. When I played in Winnipeg, everyone talked about the club we we're playing and how slow the greens were going to be. And I was super ready for them to be slow. And I guess what they did going up to the championships is kind of the thought that everybody has where it's like, oh, well, if I don't water my greens and cut them really short, it'll speed up the greens and it'll make them better. In this specific scenario, and I feel like it's kind of similar to what happens all the way across our country is like I've said this before, people think speed's everything. And this green was so hard to play on because it had wonky runs and it was so it got so much faster And the runs just don't go away just because it got faster. So like I've always been a big advocate of like people need to like figure out how to make their greens more true before they worry about speed. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, anyways.
1: And you're absolutely right. Um the the issue with people trying to get up to 13, 14, 15 seconds in Canada is the fact that the greens aren't true. Yeah. You know, they let them go, they let them go, and then they think, okay, I'll shut up the water for a couple weeks, I'll I'll mow the crap out of it. I'll verticut and get the thatch out of there. And you're just making, like, it, I almost picture underneath is, like, um, some of those desert pictures with all the cracked ground. Because your bowl goes out there, and all of a sudden it shoots out, shoots in, shoots out, and then, you know, did, h- how do you play with it?
0: Speaking of crack, the crack that you're imagining, did you ever see any pictures from when myself and my team played at a club called Dynas Palace in Wales? No. So we went there the first day for training, we played against Australia, oddly enough, and the greens looked okay. They were green. They weren't super fast, but they were okay. And when we happened to be in Wales, what we were told from the locals is this is the first time in 40 years that we've gone through this long without rain. And a lot of the smaller clubs didn't have any sort of watering systems like we would see here because it rained so much, so they didn't have to have them. And so they would have to hand water the grass. And I guess oh, I don't wow. know if they were doing it or not, but I'm not kidding you. Speaking of the cracks in the green, it almost looked like there was like the big grid marks cracked in the green like it was it was like rock solid cracked brown dirt it was super weird and it was completely different from anything i'd ever seen before and um all i took with me was my taylor internationals because i was expecting like i don't know something like here like between nine and 13 seconds i guess yeah and there was some games where i couldn't take enough grass to stay on the rink Because like they were so hilly and weird. Yeah. So like, I remember we uh, speak, I actually we didn't speak about it, but I was playing against Gary Kelly and his partner from Ireland. And I was playing with Owen Kirby and I was playing on an end rink and I ended up aiming like halfway down the backboards and I'm six feet inside. Like I couldn't play it. It was impossible. That's crazy. Yeah. It was weird.
1: But that's, that's the issue, right? We in Canada, we don't have the money to level our greens properly and the cheapest way to, quote unquote, make them better is to speed them up. And and for the people that want it sped up, they're just not true. So they don't they don't work as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. And like, obviously, quick greens are fun and dandy, but I, like, i I'd almost rather sad, rather plan like a uh, mediocre, like 10 to 12 that runs OK, rather than a 15, 16. That's
1: crazy. No, 100 percent. I agree with you there. So going along some annoyances and some, and we're getting this off our chest. Luke, I wanted to know what's your biggest irritation in bowls when you play? What gets you all fired up? Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, How do you mean that? Do you mean like things that happen during a game, or like things about the sport that make me cranky?
1: It could be anything. Whatever gets you uh, your blood boiling a little bit.
0: My biggest biggest pet peeve when I let's show this one my biggest pet peeve when I play with people and I know my dad if you're listening I love you to death but this <laughs> used to drive me nuts we'd play together and I say if I'm having a bad game I'd throw a couple short balls, and he'd be like hey you have to make sure you get it here you have to throw it here I'm like I know I have to throw it do you think I'm trying to be short it's like it's not helpful just be quiet <laughs> and it's like to the point where you almost want to scream at him down
1: the green <laughs> You know what uh, i'm right with you there it's not necessarily just that that's that's really annoying um it's all the almost the cliche responses right yeah and you know exactly what trend. they're thinking it's like <laughs> hey great pack or good thinking or whatever and they're basically telling you you know okay stop playing like shit let's <laughs> and it's not like it's you're that... trying to right
0: No, um, it's kind of funny you bring that up. Again, I hate going back to things we talked about, but when we were in Wales, uh, my force team was Mike Petuli, Grant Wilkie and Owen Kirby. And we actually made we had a little sit down before and we said, like, if you throw a bad shot, we're just either not going to say anything or we're going to make a joke. We're not going to do any of the all like good try or whatever. We pretty much just said, like, hey, man, you made a terrible shot. And I was like, "Hey, like, okay, that's fine. You made a terrible shot too." And it was just like it, it almost made it easier, just so we could joke and laugh about it and kind of loosen it up other, rather than the "Oh, great, tr- great try, Daryl. you will get it on the next one." And you, you know that I'm like, "Oh, Daryl, you idiot." Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The one one of my um, irritations. It's not. I won't necessarily say it's like my number one, but there's but talking about that is, um, when people don't understand the game and uh they talk as if they do it's it's frustrating especially when you try to um have a conversation with them i find it really really irritating that um you know someone makes a a wick shot which you know is a wick shot very um circumstantial very lucky you know low percentage and they happen to to make the perfect result and everybody thinks you know what a great shot um and nobody Nobody actually realizes how, just how lucky it was. I, I find yeah. that really irritating. But
0: I mean, it's irritating, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it is kind of a good shot. It's part of the game. It is. It happens.
1: And it, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Uh, it used to really get me uh, all fired up when someone to get a wick shot, you know, fire off of something six feet wide, shoot across, hit the the shot bowl, and actually sit on the jack. <laughs> and then my game would just go to crap. But... Uh, I. Nowadays it's I, not so bad.
0: <laughs> I can understand and I've definitely been there where it's been equally as frustrating, but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, uh, it's I'm not gonna celebrate any less if I'm playing a game of hockey and I shoot one from the point and it hits off your ass on the hash marks <laughs> and it goes in the net. I'm gonna celebrate <laughs> just as much as if I shot it right in the top corner, right? So. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and I, I,
1: I can't blame if if you get it. There you go
0: yeah it's one of the I, I know what you mean it's one of those things where they're celebrating it like it's uh like they tried to do this crazy shot and it worked out i get it yeah. <laughs> that's okay
1: we're actually um we're actually thinking of doing some videos on this kind of stuff if you guys have stuff that either irritates you about bowls irritates you about the people that uh play bowls things that um whether it's funny or not you know uh Put it in the comments, send us an email, tweet us, whatever it is. Let us know about it because we'll make it, we're will make we making a list of all these um, interesting videos that we can do to either explain something or just poke some fun at ourselves as bowlers. And uh, we'd love to get your feedback on, on what you'd like to see. I know Ralph Alice here in the chat. He said, uh, the worst thing
0: is the drawmasters fiddling with the draw for personal gain. I think it wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing if the drawmasters couldn't play. Because that would be eliminated, right? For the most part, I mean, for themselves, I guess it would go away. But you could still—we have always done it this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's enough. number
1: one. Yeah, um, I, I have to agree with, with Ralph. I've only seen it once where something happened where the drawmaster was playing and they snuck in, and someone else got booted out, and it didn't seem on the level. But right. I agree with you. If I'm if I'm actually being a drawmaster, I won't play. You know i concentrate on doing that helping the players um sometimes you have to explain stuff so i don't want to be focusing on playing and doing it at the same time so i usually just do one or the other
0: right speaking of pet peeves now that we're just on this topic um <laughs> my whole life in bowls or career whatever you want to call it people have always been so upset when they get placed on an end green And the biggest example I can think of, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but it was at a tournament somewhere and there was a final and they put the final game, the top two teams that were undefeated on an end rink. And the person who lost was super mad, said they'd never come back to the club because they got shafted and got put on an end rink. But my immediate response is, well, the other person had to play on the end rink, too. So, like, what's so bad about an end rink?
1: The only thing I can think of is, at least in Canada, and I can't speak about um, other places, but, you know, um, when you get to the edges, sometimes it's raised a little bit or they didn't mow uh, the edges enough or or whatever it is. Sometimes the end rings tend to be a little more wonky because they kind of neglect the edges. But some of the better greens at some places are the end rings, And I would rather just, let's play on a good rink. Rather than complain about one or the other, I mean, if you get placed on the worst rink and they know it's the worst rank, then you have something to complain about. But end rinks, yeah. and it, it just seems to stick in people's head. Hey, I'm on an end rink, it must be really bad.
0: Yeah, just 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 kind of what I was saying there, though. It's like the same part. This other team had to play on the, the crappy green too. So yeah. just just play a better game, and you're still going to win. Doesn't really matter, right? Like like we've said before,
1: we 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 as bowlers love to complain
0: yeah we're definitely a society
1: of complainers especially here in canada myself included so i like kyle's uh comment people not buying a beer in turn you don't have that here at canada much because not every club has a bar but i do see it in australia when i've played there and played in just a fun match where you know whose shout is it Um, and everybody buys a beer in turn so everybody's even But yeah, if you get the one person who doesn't actually buy a turn.
0: I I guess like here in Canada, we never really have that problem because the time you're at a club that has a bar, everyone's always so friendly and generous that everybody buys everybody drinks. And you don't like you almost it's it's, it's almost you just don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, oh, my goodness, this place has a bar. Okay, now's my time to spend my, my drink money, right?
0: <laughs> well, I remember the night before WOBA last year, after the Bill Becker. Um, we we're all sitting inside having beers and just talking, and it was almost like everyone wanted to buy everybody a beer. I couldn't drink them fast enough before someone was buying me another one.
1: No, oh, I know, and in other places, you don't see that as much, you know. Some people <laughs> need that, that crowbar to get their, their wallet open. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. One other thing I wanted to ask was when you're actually playing in a tournament and something goes wrong, it's I don't know how I can word this correctly without without sounding like a, a little bit of a uh, a dick.
0: Well, just be a dick. Who cares? <laughs> All right,
1: <laughs> so. If something, if something happens and you get shafted out of something for whatever reason, there's a miscount, your, uh, your scorecard gets, um, read incorrectly and you go up and, and raise the issue, hopefully nicely, uh, just saying, Hey, like, you know, I noticed there's an incorrect uh, tally or whatever, and they won't do anything about it. And it doesn't have to be that either. It could be something else where they just refuse to actually accommodate you, um, I find that really just irritates the crap out of me where you know, take a few minutes, go back and, and, and redo it, and let's get everything on the level. Right?
0: I've never experienced anything like that. I've definitely had miscounts
1: in morning, but every
0: time I've ever experienced it they always did a recount and everybody was happy. So I, I've, never, I've never seen it go
1: south. I've had it a few times which is really, really odd because typically, um, and it's not just me, but when I've seen others um, have issues, you know, uh, they talk and and everything gets sorted out but just those those few people where the draw master just says no i'm right and i've done everything correctly um basically get out of here but maybe it's just me <laughs>
0: uh, i mean again i don't know who you're speaking about but it almost just sounds like that person's almost has an ego and they're being a little close-minded on the situation but i don't know the certain situation i've never had to deal with that so i don't really have an answer
1: we have no egos in in bowls, do we
0: no I'm the best player there ever was but no there's no egos <laughs> involved <both. laughs> no I'm just joking
1: <laughs> oh what do you think Luke what do you think Daryl oh wait we've got a couple so Ralph says uh, had one three game winner not given a prize we sorted out the issue that seems fair That's that. yeah that's definitely the way to handle it just figure it out and Cameron says skips that leave the head walk to the other end and then ask their teammate who shot <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that's a good one that i never would have thought of and it
1: happens all the time believe it or not i've seen it they walk down and they's not necessarily who shot but who's in the back do we have one in the back or some other question where you just left the head how can you be asking that question
0: do you want to know another one that really gets me going speaking about this i'm just gonna to have to get up and show you this one okay all right so we we've played the end the bowls are on the green Who do you think shot
1: Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. And they
0: just—they just never measure. It's like just measure the head. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. okay.
1: <laughs> they do the <laughs> that it's one. It's like circling the wagons. Like they both take turns going around and around yeah. and around, and then eventually <laughs> yeah, that it's one, like that one. you're sitting at the end. Like you've got to measure in your pocket. Get you the measure out. That <laughs> one drives me nuts, especially when you're playing with a time limit. Oh, that's that's a perfect one. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I had to get up to show that one. I think it would. I thought it would make more sense. That's right. (laughs)
1: Nineteen sixties. Two two game winners were killing ends, uh, playing for the tournament. Club went inside the uh, the clubhouse and gave away the prizes and left. (laughs) Wow, that's interesting. So he got fed up with that.
0: Was it during the last end, or were all of the ends open at this point? I didn't bowl in the sixties, so I'm not sure what the rules were like.
1: good question though. but yeah no some great examples i uh, um cam thanks for bringing that one up about the skips leaving the head and and not knowing what's going on that is that's something that does irritate me as well because it, it goes along with the slow play right so the person goes from the head to the thing ask questions and even in some circumstances their vice or whoever's giving them information might not give what they want and then they walk right back up to the head yeah <laughs> it's a good one yeah all right guys is that it that's all i think i think we're good we're, we're coming right. up on the hour all
0: righty well before we uh close her out here i just wanted to say thanks again to eric gallopo for joining us on the show and remember guys follow subscribe like hit the notification bell the same stuff we stay every time don't forget to to share our things out you guys in australia kyle McElroy. don't forget to show us to all your friends out there so they can uh, see what's going on here in canada maybe we can get some more input from some of the australians maybe get some of you guys on the show you never absolutely, know absolutely. um thanks everybody in the chat ralph uh ralph kyle cam everybody else who's in the chat sorry if i missed you um thanks a lot And uh, I guess until next time, guys, I hope all your shots are touches and uh, take care.